Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, Texas A&M takes on Alabama for the SEC Game of the Week Saturday at 3.30. Friday the game, CBS debuts four sides of the story, Alabama Audible. Look at Alabama's comeback victory in the championship game last year, which was a wild one. This year, the question that everyone's going to build to is, can anybody play with Alabama? Because this is counting their offense, which is explosive, their quarterback, who is going to be a big-time pro, um, I don't know if anybody can play with Alabama this year. Not any of these teams. So that's going to be the storyline. And you can see by the way they just embarrassed Ole Miss. Uh, that, that, that's, I guess, where we should start. They, they probably, this might be, by the time the season ends, this might be the best of all the Alabama teams. Wow. Hey, Mike. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's the most different uh, team that uh, Nick has had here at Alabama. Uh, we talked to him about an hour, a couple hours ago, and he said early in his career at LSU, uh, he had a team similar that had to sc- that scored a lot of points. Actually, Jimbo Fisher was his offensive coordinator there, but he said we weren't as good. We were just scoring points. We couldn't stop anybody. So yeah, this is the most unique Alabama team I've seen, and. You you know there's a couple things you must do. You got to keep a little off balance. You know the way Ole Miss played them. You know they're just they line up in three wide receivers every time. They never stress their young safety with motions and you know tight ends and screens. They just Alabama was able to dig their heels in and and just kind of play ball. You're going to have to get them out of their comfort zone a little bit. And this league is about that. You know you you better show up. Uh, on the road uh, with an offense and defensive line that can match up with the physical play or you don't have a chance. But what I, what's most intriguing about this game is the two things that, that A&M brings. One is they played with Clemson. I mean, they, you know, they watch TV too. And they saw Clemson, you know, beat Alabama, go toe to toe, have NFL talent. They played with them. And number two is they bring Jimbo Fisher. Yep. Who, who's who's had a championship. He's got a notch on his belt. So I think they come in here believing. Now, you know, as Mike Tyson said, everybody's got a plan. 
until, you know, we, we will see. But, I, but it is going to take a really good team. And if you look down the schedule, you know, the teams that can match up with them physically, which is number one before you go anywhere else, I mean, you really are to, like, LSU, Georgia. Yep. I mean, LSU, Georgia. You know, and LSU's you know, had a great start to their season with a big win. Have. Coming back against Auburn was a big win. You know, it, it was, and it was a surprising win in the fact that for the second year in a row, it looked like Auburn had the game completely in control. Uh, you know, last year they're up 20 to nothing, and it was a 75-yard punt return. And in this game, you know, through the game, and, and Joe Burrow is showing that he can be a leader and a tough guy, but he's not hitting anybody. He's six for his last 20. And all of a sudden he throws one right in the middle of a two deep zone and threads the needle and it's a 71 yard touchdown pass and Auburn couldn't, couldn't do it. They could not put any more points on the board and they lose a game. So it, uh, it was really a, a unique game. I thought, I really thought Auburn would handle them. They'd have too much for them, but this LSU team, they have four NFL players playing on defense, four surefire NFL players on defense. And the surprise of the day was, their offensive line did not get dominated. They kept themselves in the game. Uh, now, so, I mean, we expect – you just talked about the coach and, and the pedigree with A&M and what yeah. they did against Clemson, so that gives them a punch's chance. There's two storylines off that. Number one is how bad Florida State has looked. I mean, they have yeah. been embarrassed. Yeah. I mean, they're almost under pressure. If they don't beat Northern Illinois, that coach is going to – they're going to be looking to buy out his contract. I mean, they, they, <laughs> they, I mean they're going to go crazy there. They're not going to tolerate this. They, we know they won't tolerate something like this, and they – they got destroyed by Syracuse. Yeah, my, my, um, I think you nailed it here. I mean, the surprise of, to me of the season so far has been LSU. Two top ten wins. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, the coach that I think everybody agreed was on the hot seat was Coach Ogeron at LSU. I mean, yep. with that schedule in front of him and having those big games early, uh, you know, neither one of them in Baton Rouge. Uh, one was a neutral site, and then the other one at Auburn. Everybody figured, okay. So they're, they're the surprise on the good side. But I think the surprise of college football is the Florida State on the, on the backside. I, no I question. Mean, I, I mean, and, and they will not tolerate it. hard to believe. They will not tolerate it. I mean, they will not tolerate that. They will not. You know, it, it, it's interesting that when Jimbo took over from Bobby – uh, Bobby talked about and talked a lot about that it was a lot of decisions, wrong decisions that had gotten the Florida State program into such disarray. And he, he would look right at you and say, you know, it's got to be our fault because we got everybody we went after, but they weren't good enough. They were not the right guys. Now, Jimbo turned it around quickly, but I, you wonder what happened for them. You know, their offensive line has been playing such poor football. Oh, terrible. It's hard to believe Jimbo could have left the team uh, with uh, such mediocre talent in the offensive line. So I, I think it's the surprise of college football. So it far. is. And then the other game that you watch and you say, okay, let's see if they're good enough. We know Stanford's good. Everyone's raving about the Oregon quarterback. He's right. six foot six. He's a phenom. He's six six two forty. Right. He's a he's a great golfer. He's a prodigy. He's going to be this. He's going to be that. He's going to be a great player in the pros. Blah blah. Now we're going to get a test for him. Uh, I haven't seen Justin Herbert play yet. Have you? No, sir. 
Um, okay, so uh, I, I, just, I guess we'll find out. We'll find out together then tomorrow. Right, just highlights, and he, you know, even my highlights highlights were good when we looked at them. So yeah, you got to <laughs> you got to study them. You have to study them, and you have to do it. But I will say this: if he if he does do it against this veteran Stanford team, you remember how they handled the young TJ Daniel quarterback from USC. You're going to have to play at a high level. They're a high IQ team. Uh, you know, Dennis Shaw really bristles when you talk about his team always just being smart, you know, he really thinks that we're stereotyping him. And and when you watch him play in practice, they are really good athletes, but you, you, but they do play the plays correctly. They line up correctly. They don't make a lot of mental mistakes. So with that Oregon offense and this, it it will be a good game to watch. You know, there's not a a lot of great ones this weekend. Again, college football is funny for as many teams. Right. We just can't seem to tee it up with a lot of great games each no, weekend. No, not every weekend. And the other one is uh, how quickly. Now, here's my theory. I don't know what was left in the cupboard when Chip Kelly took over. But what I always say is this. Unless Chip Kelly has speed, he can't run what he wants to run. So if he right. has that lightning speed... They're going to play his stuff, and I got to figure in college it's going to be successful. You got situations there where the coaches, the, the parents are coming out of the stands killing Chip Kelly. I mean, it, it's gotten well, crazy after a couple of games. There might not be, there might be a small explanation, but but it doesn't necessarily make it an excuse. Okay, um, when Jim Moore, when he was there about three years ago, he had it wide open. Uh, he he was running. Uh, a, a lot of the spread offense, they were putting a lot of uh, yards and points on the board. And Jim wanted to tuck it in a little bit. He wanted to go more back to tight ends. And he wanted to play more like Stanford and USC. And he recruited a little differently. And I'm just wondering if the transition of spread players and his two young classes of players, that he, how he envisioned the program differently, has not meshed for, for Chip's offense. Clearly, he doesn't have the quarterback that can play his style. And then I, I think we talked about this last week. You know, when, when Chip left college, he, you know, he started this, you know, uh, offense. Uh, and he was ahead of everybody. Yep. But now everybody's caught up. Everybody's doing it. I don't know if he has the advantage that he had before when he, when he left college football. Interesting, because he really did change college football. You know, years ago, years ago, Darryl Rogers changed college football, and now Chip Kelly changed college football. He might not get the credit for it, but he did change college football. He sure did. With the, you know, he went up-tempo and changed the game, but a lot of teams now have done a lot of study in this offense, and Coach Kelly really let all the secrets out when he went to the NFL. Yep. Before he was really hesitant on on giving everybody the keys. To yeah, he gave it to. Go. He even gave it to the Patriots. He taught them. Totally. He taught them yeah, how to he communicate. Taught. He taught them how to yes. get the plays in faster. Years before exactly. he even left Oregon, he taught them. And and everybody now has got the system down. You can go on YouTube now, because I do it a lot, and watch coaches go up on the board and 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 teach you how to defend. RPOs, how to defend the spread, how to defend the uh, the no huddle, and it's all stuff that everybody has now shared from the uh, Chip, Chip Kelly tree, basically. Do you think it is impacting why these linemen are having such trouble transitioning to the NFL, the offensive linemen? Absolutely. That in the style um, of play, everybody is trying to do those extra plays. You know, there's, there's so many, uh, I don't know, beat um, – less physical yards available now, you know, with the speed sweeps that 
Kansas City is using so well, what Philadelphia did last year with Carson Wentz and how they ran their offense. You can steal a lot of yards with the RPO offense and, and, and make kind of force defenses into playing more man. Uh, what it does, though, is it, it, it's extra practice time that you take away, and, and it's starting to show up in alignment. You can't be good at everything, and they're starting to not be the toughest thing they're doing now is handling these front fours. They just, I mean, the talent disparity now between you know, that offensive line and the defensive line is, is probably wider than it's ever been in NFL football. You do Alabama a lot. This is a yeah. crazy question. Do they just get, do they ever get bored with winning? No, there's a lot of pressure playing here. You know, and there's really high expectations. Uh, you have to, you know, it's not a, it, it's not a successful season if they don't get either in the SEC championship and, or into the playoffs and, and, you know, it's just what you accept here. It's it's very similar to these high-level athletes now um, in, like, Olympic sports where they chase down the hot coaches, you know, to be a, a figure skater or a swimmer where you go to the place where that coach can take you to that gold medal. I mean, these players are flocking to come for Alabama. We will show uh, – I don't know if we're going to show it this week, but I can tee it up for you if you want – since Nick Saban has been here in his 10 years of drafts, every position on the field from defensive tackle, we, he can field 21 players that are all number one draft choices, two safeties, two corners, four linebackers, wow. four defensive every position. ends, two, every, every position. position except one. Quarterback. quarterback, and he quarterback. may just be built. Well, he's got the first. first he's got him now. He's got him now. He's going to be. It'll he, be another yeah. year. It'll yes. be another year. But he has the ability. He, uh, uh, Mike, he's the he might be the one I'm, one. He might be number one of the first round. He might well, be one one. Well, he plays exactly like Drew Brees played in college. He has a spatial awareness that is unteachable. He doesn't have the biggest. He doesn't have like a Drew Locke or a Matt Stafford arm. Okay, he's not an explosive arm, uh, a player. But is he Steve um, Young? That's the question. Um, I, I think he throws the ball better than that's Steve. He, and that's saying a lot because Steve Young was accurate. Of, yes, but his understanding of delivering the ball is unteachable. He's, you know, he's, uh, you know, his size though. You know, I mean, he's yep. Baker Mayfield and, and Drew Brees' size, so he he better be good. As Baker showed you last night. You either got it or you don't when you're that side, and obviously Baker's got it. Baker threw the ball well. He did throw the ball well. You know, it's one of the most courageous draft picks in in the NFL in a long time. Uh, you got to give general manager John Dorsey, and I've known him forever. Seen him on the – since I've been doing this, I've been seeing him at all-star games. You know, taking Baker Mayfield, he would have lived with that on his resume forever because the conventional wisdom was Sam Darnold was the guy, Okay. And uh, he stuck to his guns. And you had when you make a decision like that, when you go against the grain, because he could have just said, "I'll take Sam Darnold." Everybody thought he was the best, and it's the safest pick for me as a GM. He went unconventional, and he might be proven right here. Thanks, Gary. You got it. Thank you, All right. Gary Danielson. He's been in Alabama, where Alabama just beats everybody by so many points. It's unbelievable. I mean, their offense, their defense is always great. Their offense is unbelievable. How about that? They've had a first round pick at every position on the field except quarterback, and they now have the kid who will be, I think, not this year, the year after, will be the first player picked in the draft. 
He's that. And to me, he's like Steve Young. That's what he reminds me of. Now, he says he throws it better than Steve Young. That's saying a lot because Steve Young was deadly accurate. I mean, became a deadly accurate passer and could run like the wind, too. Back after this.